Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel. The book of Romans, chapter 1, and verse 16. I am not ashamed of the Gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the Gospel... A righteousness from God is revealed. Perhaps you would agree with me that life is com complex. And it seems the older we become, the more complex life becomes. Last weekend, I was with a group of people I haven't seen in 30 years. We graduated together from high school. It's amazing how old they have become. Now, I shouldn't say old, probably I should call them chronologically challenged, to be more politically correct. But one thing I determined after having chatted with them for a while, that for all of us, life has become a lot more complex than it was when we were seniors in high school. And for that matter, our whole culture has deteriorated become more anti-Christ, so that for the Christian, life is even tougher in its complexity. Life is filled with difficult alternatives and hard choices. It's often perplexing. It's good to know that there are some things that are still simple. Salvation is that way. Now, our critics label us as offering a message that makes people troubled by modernity more comfortable. They say people in this complex world are looking for simple things, therefore people who are evangelicals offer a simple message uh, in a demeaning way they say that, and therefore they have their followers. Well, the fact is that our message is a simple message. It is not simplistic. It is not old-fashioned. It is not ordinary. But our message is uncomplicated enough to be grasped and applied by anyone with the capacity to understand biblical truth. Salvation's basics haven't changed through the centuries, nor have they been altered by the changes in culture. The message that we proclaim, the message of salvation, is the same straightforward message that was valid 2,000 years ago when it was proclaimed by the apostles. Now maybe it'd be good for me to define salvation, because that is a term that has a lot of different meanings these days. When I talk about the simplicity of salvation, <clears throat> I'm referring to deliverance from the penalty of sin, which is separation from God, and the establishment of an eternal relationship with the living God that dramatically changes who we are and what our destiny is. That's what I mean by salvation. It changes us so that we're no longer enemies of God. We are children of God. 
No longer is our destiny hell, our destiny is heaven because of this simple message of the gospel. Salvation is simple. Although some have encrusted the message with centuries of religious tradition or complicated it with lists of rules or overlaid it with sacraments and rituals, thus perverting its simplicity. The fact is that the message itself is a simple message. It is not cheap. It is not common. It is not trite. But it is, thank God, simple. In the first place, it is simple in its origin. Paul says in this verse, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel did not originate with some kind of religious evolution. There are those who have applied the Darwinian theory of evolution to theology. And they say that man, as he was coming out of his caves, developed a certain kind of simple theology, and through the years that has evolved into what we believe today. Baloney. The gospel is not the result of some sort of evolution in theology and religion, nor is it the result of human invention. The gospel is not the kind of message that human beings will invent because it calls human beings sinners who are dead in trespasses and sins and helpless to save themselves. Human beings will not create that kind of a message. Rather, the origin of salvation is in divine intervention. It is in God himself. The psalmist says, salvation belongs to the Lord. In Jonah we read, salvation is from the Lord. And over and over again, the Apostle Paul, for example, calls God our Savior. Salvation originates in the heart of God. Contrary to what the New Age religion tries to tell us, man cannot be his own savior. <clears throat> he is helpless. He is without hope. He needs someone who can intervene on his behalf. Now, I acknowledge that when we say that it's simple in its origin, that there are some profound mysteries in this. It is a profound mystery how a holy God could come into this world and become a man, unite himself to sinless humanity. It is a profound mystery how God could then become sin and die for the sake of sinful, rebellious humanity. That is a profound mystery. But at the heart of it, it is simple. With all of its complex mysteries, the gospel originates in the heart of God. It is God's gospel, not man's. It's simple in its origin. It's from God. It's given to us by divine revelation. Secondly, 
Salvation is simple in its definition. <clears throat> Paul says, It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel saves. But what does that mean? Well, the very word means to rescue. And so in the first place we would say that the definition of salvation is that it is a rescuing action. It is somebody taking action on behalf of someone else to deliver them. My mother-in-law was driving her automobile a couple of weeks ago. And as she was passing a semi, somehow the bumpers got caught. And she was tossed sideways. The car rolled twice and landed upside down in the median. She should have been killed. She had her seatbelt on. She had one little prick in her finger like a pinprick. That was the only injury she had, not even a whiplash. I told her there were 14 angels just covering her as she turned over and over. But when she landed, she was hanging by her seatbelt. And she couldn't help herself. Some people had to come and, and help her and rescue her. Salvation is simple in its definition because it simply means a rescuing action. It means that we are helpless and that God intervenes in our behalf. He comes to rescue us from danger. How many of you watch Rescue 911? I know it's a little embarrassing, but not bad. <laughs> or Code 3. I'm a sucker for those shows. I don't know, there's a little bit of something inside of me that the, the adrenaline gets moving. And it's exciting to see people who are in trouble rescued. <clears throat> That's what God has done with the gospel. Salvation is simple in its definition. God has taken a rescuing action. But there's another way that we can define the gospel. It's not only a rescuing action, it's a purchasing transaction. The word save or salvation, its noun, means to rescue. But there's another word that's found in chapter 3, for example, in the book of Romans, that is roughly equivalent to salvation, that gives us a different insight into it. It's beginning reading in verse 23 of Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption. Salvation is not only a rescuing action, it is a purchasing transaction. This word redemption. There are three words actually in the New Testament in the original language that are translated redeem or redemption in our English translations. <clears throat> One word means to buy a slave, to purchase a slave in the slave market, to pay the price for him. A related word means then to take that slave out of the slave market, to buy it, 
And then to take it out of the slave market, then there's a third word that's translated redeem that means to let loose, to let go, to free. Now you put all those words together and you get the idea behind the word redemption. It means that God has come to the slave market of sin where we are in bondage and we cannot pay the price for ourselves. And He pays the price in our behalf. He removes us from the slave market of sin and He lets us go so that we are no longer under obligation to sin. That's salvation. It is a purchasing transaction. And the price of that was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it cost God. It's free to you and to me. But it cost God dearly. Because He Himself paid the price that we might be purchased and belong to Him. That's redemption. Thirdly, we can define salvation simply as a legal declaration. A legal declaration. You see the word justify here in verse 24. Justification. What that means is that God declares us legally in His sight to be righteous. Forgiveness is the negative side of salvation. It means that our sins are removed. They're taken away from us. Justification is the positive side. It means that not only are our sins subtracted, but God adds to us His righteousness. And again, the ground of our justification, the legal ground for it, is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God can legally declare us righteous in His sight, because Jesus paid the penalty. Therefore, we can be freed from that legal penalty of sin. All of our sin was put on Christ, imputed to Christ, and His perfect righteousness was imputed to us, given to us, so that we, in God's eyes, are legally declared to be righteous, and that can't change. Good news. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Our salvation is simple in its definition. Thirdly, it's simple in its condition. Simple in its condition. You see, not everyone is going to be saved in the end. Despite the power of God unto salvation, despite the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, not everyone is going to be saved. The verse says, It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That means that those who do not believe will not be saved. And that this gospel that is God's power will not deliver them or rescue them from the penalty of their sins. Today people are still dying and going to hell. Bad people today are dying and going to hell. 
But I'll tell you something else. Good people today are dying and going to hell too. Today there will be atheists in the Twin Cities who will die and go to hell forever. Today there will be church members who will die and go to hell forever. Why is that? Because the gospel is applied not because people are good, not because they're baptized, not because they joined the church, not that those things are wrong, but that isn't the reason the gospel is applied to them. Salvation is very simple in its condition. You don't have to go out from here this morning wondering if you've done enough. You can never do enough. You don't have to go out from here this morning wondering if there's some more ritual you ought to go through. You can't go through enough rituals to be saved. The condition of salvation is very simple. It boils down to faith. To everyone who believes, says the gospel. To everyone who believes. So this belief begins with the knowledge of the truth. People have to hear in order to believe. And how shall they hear unless a preacher be sent, a missionary be sent, like you? Like these folks who are training to go to the other side of the world. Like you being trained to go across the street. And how shall they preach unless they be sent? Well, God has sent us. We proclaim. Now people are responsible to believe. That belief begins with the message of Christ suffering for our sins and dying and being raised from the dead on the third day on our behalf. People have to know the facts, but it goes beyond just knowing them. Because I want to tell you something. There are people who are in hell today who knew those facts when they went to that awful place of judgment. It's just that they had never personally come to a point of entrusting themselves to that truth. They had never let go of their own works to trust the simple gospel <clears throat> They had never believed under the salvation of their souls. Dr. Donald McLeod writes, The Reformers stressed that faith did not mean simply believing whatever the church teaches, nor does it mean merely believing that we ourselves are saved. The terms used in the Bible to describe faith make plain that it involves decision as well as conviction. It means turning to, looking to, coming to, fleeing to, and bringing all one's burdens to Christ. <clears throat> it means seeking and receiving and leaning on Christ. It means trusting Christ so much that we are prepared to face the judgment seat with no other protection than his obedience and blood. 
This obviously implies that faith has a clear and specific focus, Jesus Christ. Salvation is simple. Thank God it is. Simple in its origin, simple in its definition, simple in its condition. From beginning to end, it's wonderfully simple. But it's also remarkably ignored and neglected. The scriptures say, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation as this? As simple as it is, it becomes a stumbling block to those who do not partake of it. The same gospel that saves those who believe damns those who will not believe. Thus the good news becomes their bad news. Someone says, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not sure this is the time. Listen to what God says. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. When I was younger, I heard an evangelist one time illustrate faith this way. He said there was a little boy who loved his daddy. And he couldn't find his daddy one day, and as he was walking around their yard, he finally came to the well. And he could hear something going on down there in the darkness of that well. He said, Daddy, is that you? He said, Yes, son, it's me. He said, Daddy, I want to come down there. Okay, son, come on. He said, Daddy, how am I going to get down there? Well, he said, Son, just jump and I'll catch you. Boy, look down in that black hole. He said, Daddy, I can't see you. Daddy said, That's all right, son. I can see you. Just jump. I'll catch you. There may be someone here today who says, God, I can't see you. He says, all right, I can see you. But how do I know you'll catch me? I've never dropped anybody. This simple salvation can simply be yours today if you will throw yourself upon the God who's promised that by His power He will save everyone who believes this gospel. He's not going to begin dropping you. He'll catch you. But you have to jump. You have to commit yourself. Or knowing this message will only mean a hotter fire in hell. It takes your commitment. It takes your faith. It takes your step of obedience in trusting Jesus Christ for that power of God to be real in your life. And it can be today, right now. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for salvation, for its simplicity. Oh God, we thank you that you have made it so simple that any of us who can understand these truths can believe and be saved if we choose to. And I want to pray for every one of us gathered in this room that we will not be deceived by the devil or by our own hearts into thinking we're saved when we're not. And I pray that if there be <clears throat> some excuses in our hearts as to why we've not made that jump yet into your arms, that you will show us the emptiness and the meaninglessness of all of those things when compared to salvation. God, write upon our hearts, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? And so, Lord, right now, would you open the heart of some friend here to believe. And as we bow in prayer, I wonder if there's someone who would say, Pastor, call today. I am trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. This day, I'm making that commitment. I've not done it before. I've heard the message, but I've never made the commitment. But today I'm jumping into the arms of God. Is there someone who would just lift the hand as a profession of your faith and say, that is my heart's decision this day, and I lift my hand to testify to it? Is there someone here? Lift it high enough that I might see you. I don't want to miss you. I want to rejoice with you in your decision today. Let's sing together a chorus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Amen.